OMG What a Complete Education with Emer McLeisted and Sarah Breen is brought to you by Education and Training Boards Ireland, the national representative body for the education and training boards across the country that deliver education, training and youth work in all corners of Ireland. Whatever path you want to take in life, you'll find the way through further education and training and you'll find it right on your doorstep. Welcome back to what is the last episode in the current series of OMG What a Complete Education. I'm Emer McLeisett. And I am Sarah Breen. And we are the co-authors of the OMG What a Complete Ashling series of books. We're very excited because today we have the big daddy. <laughs> <laughs> the big man on campus, the head honcho himself. <laughs> he is Simon Harris, who's the Minister for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science. We weren't sure what to call him, were we? No, we had to have a quick conversation. <laughs> I wanted to go with Your Excellency. <laughs> He said we could call him Simon. I was afraid I was going to call him Sai Sai. So, <laughs> so we just didn't call him anything. I don't think we called him anything. <laughs> we just said, hey, are you? Answer some questions. We didn't. Um, it was great to talk to him. He obviously knows a lot about the whole area of further education and training. It is literally his job to know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you can also tell he is passionate about learning. He's passionate about education. And I mean, he was the right man to put. That was a newly created department a few years ago. So it seems like he was the right man to put in that role. And before the microphones, cameras started rolling, um, he just told us how passionate he is and he's just so into education. It was a real pleasure to get his perspective on what's going on currently in the department and what he hopes for the future yeah. of further education and training. And then after that, we spoke to Katrina Murphy, who's the CEO of the Dublin Dunleary um, Education and Training Board, and also to Paddy Lavelle, who is the ETBI General Secretary. And I guess they are a little bit more boots on the ground when it comes to implementing what Simon Harris is doing. And, you know, they had a lot to say. They had a lot of insight as to what's going on, what they hope to see coming down the road for further education and training. But first of all, we have Minister for Further and Higher Education, Simon Harris. Okay, we are thrilled to be joined today by the Minister for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science, Simon Harris. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining us. That's a that's a lengthy title. Yeah, we don't do snappy titles. <laughs> Hopefully we do some things better than we do titles. Oh, I think what we're most interested in today is further and higher education. That's Definitely. what we're here to talk about. Um, I guess, first of all, what, we, what we've been doing a lot with the learners we've been talking to throughout this process is ask you first about your own education journey. Yeah, so I've had, I suppose like lots of people in Ireland, I've had an interest in education journey myself because I enjoyed school, enjoyed school a lot, uh, did relatively well in school, went on to what was DIT at the time mm-hmm. and started studying journalism and French. Uh, always liked writing, asking questions, some of that works out well today. But also I had a, I had a twin track interest because I had a, a brother with autism in Greystones and I had set up an autism charity and we were campaigning and lobbying for school. Anyway, I became politicised through this process. Yeah. So I got to the point where, where politics kind of took over. So after about three years of the four-year degree, um, I was elected to the doll. Um, so I found myself thrust into the doll uh, <laughs> at, at a pretty early age um, and, and kind of by, 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 uh, by family circumstance, really, in the sense of having, a, having an issue that I felt really strongly mm. about in my community. So, and I very much take that with me now in the work that I do because I suppose it, it, it always reminds me that there are so many different ways of getting to where you want to get to in life. And sometimes we have this really kind of narrow view that you must at this age go and do this thing and complete it at this thing and then you're finished with education and off you go. And actually, the more I look around life, the more I live life, the more I realise it's just not true. Um, there's so many different kind of avenues to get to where you want to get to. And and education isn't a period of time. You, you dip in and out of it. Um, as the need arises throughout your life. And to be fair, you've done fairly well for yourself. <laughs> it's worked out okay so far. It's worked out okay so far. But um, yeah, and, and 
and I still, I still absolutely, and I always say this to people, I still absolutely envisage myself wanting to return to education because one of the things I've really learned in this role is that education is is lifelong. Um, and actually, whether no matter what career you're in, where you think you're at in your life, I think almost all of us, the world is changing so much, are going to need to dip in and out of education at different stages. Um, the skills that we maybe have today may not be the skills that we need in the future. And more and more, I think the jobs that we have today may mm-hmm. not be the jobs that we have in the future. And again, maybe our parents' generation, people came out and did one job for the rest of their life. That's going to happen less and less. So so yeah, I think education is, is something that I obviously really value and really enjoy, but it's, it's definitely something that um, is lifelong. And so my job then is to make sure that it is flexible mm. so people can access it in a way that works for them, full-time, part-time, online, through further ed, through apprenticeships, through higher ed, whatever works for them. Do you think that if your course had been that bit more flexible, you may have been able to finish it at the time when you were doing it? Yeah, definitely. And I remember looking into that when, and again, not, not anyway being critical of the college, but I remember looking into that at the time and it was quite rigid. You know, you yeah. had to be in a position to do it full-time and mm. hard to do it full-time and be a member of the doll. So it didn't work. Um, but um, yeah, and I mean, it very much instills within me a strong belief that flexible learning is vital. And I suppose we saw this even more during COVID. Um, while COVID caused huge, huge problems for people, absolutely no doubt about that, we all know that, it actually did show how the education system could be. Mm. Yeah. And I met lots and lots of people who were managing to access education online or part-time. And they were saying to me, you know, geez, if they weren't providing it like this, I, I, I mightn't have actually ever been able to do my degree, do my diploma, do my master's. I, I remember meeting um, women in Longford, in the Longford Women's Link, it's called. And they were studying from Longford using their, you know, online over computers, getting uh, degrees from what was IT Carlo at that stage and Maynooth as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes is, the, yes is the definite answer. It, it's instilled in me a view that education needs to be flexible. It needs to be built around the person, not the institution. Mm-hmm. Like we don't fund the colleges because we like funded colleges. We fund them because we believe um, in making sure everyone can reach their full potential, whatever whatever that is and whatever, whatever they want that to be. And talking about flexibility, I mean, I know definitely when Sarah and I were leaving school, which was kind of of late 90s coming into kind of uh, the 2000s. 2000s. Okay, I was 1999. <laughs> she's she's like a young baby so cherub. I'm, <laughs> I'm not adjudicating this one now. <laughs> but definitely when we were leaving school, it was very much that funnel into CAO and, you know, you want to go to university and that's, and I think definitely what your department and you and minister are trying to do, as minister are trying to do, is make it clear to students and kind of potential learners that there's much more available than just that very traditional university that's right. No, and I, and like I never like being negative about our, our country, our education system. There's so much good about it. But, and there is a big but, mm. I just, when I go into schools and I've been to 70 something in the last year and I, and I asked to talk to the sixth year students and sometimes the fifth year students and without them saying anything, you can nearly see the, the stress and worry etched on their faces. Mm. And the closer it gets to the leaving search, the, the, the more profound yeah. that is. And we've narrowed the conversation in this country all about points. Points. What's your points do you get in the Leaving Search? What points do you need for it's that course? It's an obsession. Yeah. It is a national obsession. We're talking about it like, we, like Irish people, we like to talk about the weather. Mm. We now talk about the points. Mm. And at a certain period of year, that seems to be all we talk about. The points, the points, the points. Now, don't get me wrong. Going to university is great. It works for so many people. We have one of the highest participation rates in higher education in the world and definitely in Europe. That's great. Yeah. But there's also other ways of getting there. So I always tell the story and, and it's really stuck with me. I met a young guy called Jack and Jack wanted to study law. Jack didn't get the points in the Leaving Cert to study law, grand. Jack thought, that's it, I either have to go back and repeat the Leaving Cert or I have to pick something else, my dreams are shattered. Through looking around at all of his options, looking at the further education, he actually realized, aha, there's another way. I can actually do a post-Leaving Cert course in law for a year 
work hard, do well, and then go on and do my university degree. And Jack is now, I think, in second year of law. Yeah. Well done, Jack. Well done, Jack. <laughs> uh, and well done, Jack, because I tell that story all over the place in the hope <laughs> that it encourages other people. I but, think we enc- we've encountered a similar yeah. story in, you know, doing this podcast and, and speaking to learners. I think it's really important for us to point out that, you know, further education and training is can be seen as like a first pathway out of school or into learning. I mean, I'm not, a, I don't think everyone needs to leave sixth year and go straight into a third level course. I know I wish I had taken a year or two out and then done something I was passionate about rather than going straight to university and not making it to the end of that course no, because definitely. I wasn't interested. No, definitely. I always say when I go into these schools, I always say FET, further education and training is kind of good for three types of students and maybe many more. But in terms of people leaving school, it's good for the student, like I described the Jack situation, where it's a pathway to university. It's good for the student who might just not know what they want to do next. And that's all right, too. This mm-hmm. idea you have to have your whole life wrapped up neatly with a bow by the age of 17. I mean, that should go out with the dinosaurs, right? Mm-hmm. So it's good if you want to keep education going, but you want to try things out. And thirdly, and just as important, there'll be lots and lots of people who know exactly what they want to do with life. They know the job they're passionate about. And further education can take them to, the, to that journey. It can get them that qualification and get them that job. And not only has the national obsession with the points race caused mental health issues, well-being issues, dropping out of college issues, it's also caused skills shortages. I mean, I, I have a report that if, if we want to build all the houses that we need to build in this country, and God knows we need to build a lot of houses, we need 50,000, 50,000 more people working in the trades in construction by 2030. You know, where I work, we all talk about building yeah. houses. Not many of us building houses. Mm. We need people coming out of schools and people going back to education saying, I want to be an apprentice. I want to be a carpenter, an electrician, a plumber, a plaster. So we need to not devalue the trades. In fact, they're of national importance. Climate is another example. Like climate's so important. Young people have pushed governments around the world to do more on climate. Big part of climate is making people's homes more environmentally mm-hmm. friendly, retrofitting homes. We need thousands of people to come and retrofit homes. So like these are jobs that are not just good jobs, decent jobs, good qualifications. They're also doing really, really important societal work mm. to tackling some of the big challenges we I face. think it's, it's important to point out as well that a lot of that training is kind of decentralised. Like a lot of the mm. further education and training courses are really spread out around the country. Like there's always this, there's no accommodation in Dublin, Cork or Limerick or Galway, but there are so many options that are local to people. They local can to people. live at home. Yeah. You know, it's a really important point, actually. I mean, the, the, the huge benefit of further education and training is it's, it's pretty much in every community in Ireland. It's certainly in every county. It's in almost every town. It's in many villages. Um, and, that's, and that's only spreading more and more. And we're literally, as we speak, we're going around expanding further education colleges, upgrading them, making the buildings more modern. And that's going to just keep continuing. So, yes, no matter where, wherever you're listening to this mm. podcast from, you won't be far from uh, accessing further education and training. So the purpose of this podcast is to get people thinking outside of that CEO box. What are you doing as minister to help that process along? So the first thing we're doing is trying to fund, like I was saying, the further education space properly. So genuinely, if you're going to say there's parity that's equal further education in universities, you've got to give them proper buildings, facilities, staffing. So a huge amount going on in that space. Um, literally, I've been in Athlone, Drogheda, Navan, Kilkenny, um, all in Inchicore, Clondalkin, all in the last couple of weeks announcing major extensions, expansions. So we have the facilities locally that you talk about. Trying to change the culture is a big part. Mm. Trying to get into the schools and get to the mums and dads of Ireland and talk about, and yeah, the teachers, and the teachers and, and the guidance, guidance counsellors and, and everybody in the community and actually say, hang on a second, we have a duty here to tell young people and not so young people, because not all about young people, you can access education at any stage, but we have a duty to tell people about all of their options. So we've changed the CAO website. So if you're a Leaving Cert student this year, when you log on to the CAO website, you'll go to cao.ie forward slash options. You'll see the traditional CAO route if you want to go to university. 
you'll see alongside that the further education and training colleges and can apply for them online. And you'll see alongside that lots of information on apprenticeships. We're also doing things to try and make sure there's more apprenticeships. So rolling out so many more apprenticeship programmes. There's 66 now. So I know I talked about construction, Mm. but there's also apprenticeships in lots of areas. Sales, hairdressing, farming shortly, bar manager, wind turbine, accountancy technician, so many, so many. So it's not just the trades. Mm -hmm. There's lots of others. And also putting in place funding to try and diversify apprenticeships. So giving employers grants to take on apprentices so smaller businesses can get involved. And crucially, conscious I'm talking to to two women, crucially, uh, bursaries are in gender because we've had a real, real lack of gender equality when it comes to apprenticeships. Um, So actually now providing a bursary. um, If there's more than 90% of one gender um, in an apprenticeship funding, uh, giving an extra level of funding for someone to take on a female apprentice. So there's some of the things. But but the main thing, actually being honest, because our ETBs are doing such a good job, our colleges are further education, the main thing is trying to signpost this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot already there. Um, and I meet so many people and the more I go around I, I meet so many people who say that, that's how I that's, that was my journey actually I came out and I went to X College of Further Education and then I might have gone on to university or I may not have or I got this job so there's there's countless stories and it's to try and encourage people um, leaving cert's important yes points have a role to play but no one will ask you what I'm not going to ask you and you're going to ask me but nobody will ask you five years on ten years on maybe even five weeks on what you get in the leaving cert no, I think what's more most important in Sarah and I's journey is that we went to Ballyfermer College of Further Education and we met there and we have built ah, our career life based. Life-changing stuff. Yeah. Literally life-changing. Like, and both had false starts going into college, didn't work out for us yeah. and then we ended up there. Um, you have came into this ministry, which was newly created, I think, when you came into it. Yeah. And I mean, what kind of pride do you have over what you've created in the few years that you've been this Minister of Higher, Higher and Further Education? Well, and I, and I genuinely don't mean this as some hackneyed political phrase. I have, I am just so proud of the people working in the sector. I like I've I've been a minister now for quite a few years. I've been honoured to be a minister. I've been minister for health. I've met lots of wonderful people in this sector and further education training. The can-do attitude is just incredible. Like we've lived through a COVID pandemic. We didn't lose one day of education. They all just changed the way they taught. And it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy, but they did it. They put the learners first. We're now living through probably the greatest humanitarian crisis of our life with Ukraine. These people on the front line are out teaching people English, welcoming thousands of Ukrainian uh, students to finish their educational journey. Like, I just really love this sector. I just think the can-do nature of it is class. And I hope what we've done and what I'm most proud of is we've tried to put a spotlight and a focus. And I hope by the minister coming to town, the government coming to town, coming into a school, we're beginning to try and create conversations that maybe were happening but weren't happening enough. And we're trying to send the message to official Ireland hang on a second, you need to change here. You need to actually start talking to young people about it. It's not the name of the college you go to. Mm. It's what do you want to do with life? What makes you tick? What are you passionate about? What difference do you want to make? What makes it easy to get out of bed on a rainy Monday morning? And go for that. Not what, you know, God be good to her, or granny thinks is a good idea or the lad across the road did before you. What makes you tick? And then the system should say, well, here's how you get there. Sometimes it's it's cart before horse, isn't it? Like, what what college do you want to go to instead of what do you want to do? What do, you want so to that's, do yeah. that's what I'm proud of. The conversation that we're having, the trying to change the culture, but not just trying to change culture, trying to put in place the changes in the system um, to, to help speed that up. If your department had, say, an unlimited budget, what would you spend the money on? 
Well, we've seen huge progress in access to education. There's like, like just no doubt about that over the last 20 years, no matter what figure you look at, there's more people going to different types of colleges than ever before from different backgrounds. Oh, that's good. But we haven't seen it equally. Like we haven't seen it equally. And cost is still a barrier for some people. There's no two ways about it. And if we're really, really serious about making sure that cost is never a barrier to accessing education, um, we need to reduce the costs. So I, I clearly think the registration fee is too high. I think the grants need to be improved. I'm delighted that we already have money for, and I want more for this, to make sure we design programs in colleges specifically for students with intellectual disabilities. I've met far too many parents of adult children with disabilities who say, not only do I not see my child progress after school, I have to watch them regress. So again, we have a can-do sector, we have people up for the challenge in designing these programs, and it's my job uh, to get them the money to make it happen. So reducing costs is a big one obviously properly funding the sector, but driving down the costs, improving the grants and making sure that genuinely, no matter who you are, what your mum or dad did before you, what part of the country you live in, whether you're male, female or whatever, that you can get to, you can get to where you need to. So no pressure to me. <laughs> well, we wish you the best of luck. <laughs> thank you so much. In that endeavour. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's Minister. been great so to much. talk to you Thank today. you very much for having me. Well, I'm glad I managed not to call the Minister Big sigh. Congrats. <laughs> Um, it was great to hear him talking about um, kind of the can-do energy of the people working in further education and training around the country, the people on the ground. And what I love about it is it's local. Education and training boards are across Ireland and they offer such a massive variety of lifelong options from earning while you learn to apprenticeships and traineeships. And post-leaving their courses, which is probably something people really relate to when they hear about further, further education and training. Uh, we've spoken throughout this series to people who were building their literacy from, from nothing in adulthood and people who are just taking up evening courses, trying to further their skill set, and of course people working in like outdoor education, training, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, let's go back to the episode. All the information is on etbi.ie and the link will be in the show notes. And now we're going to hear from Paddy and Katrina. Okay, so Paddy Lavelle, ETBI General Secretary, and Katrina Murphy, who is CEO of the Dublin Dunleary Education and Training Board. Delighted to have you with us. Thank you so much. We have a full house, Emer. That's nice. Full house. (laughs) (laughs) Four microphones, four people. (laughs) Let's all go here. Um, So we've been talking to the Minister about what he's been doing, you know, from, I suppose, the top post in in higher education and and learning. You're more boots on the ground. Um, What have you seen changing since this new department that he's in was brought in a couple of years ago? Well, it's been a massive change for us. I've been in this business for a long time and I've been CEO since twenty since 2001. I was going to say 2021, but since 2001. And the big change in this was that it gave special treatment to further education and training in a way that hadn't been there before. And when the focus is on it allowed us to be promoted differently and also to to pay attention to the things that further education and training can provide for learners around the country. And the big things in that area are that it starts off at the post-leaving cert stage, but even for people who've dropped out of school, we have provision there in further education and training. And then every life cycle later, there's a chance for people to come back into education or training and to find their place. And we have opportunities right up through the age groups. We have people in further education and training 
at 80 years of age, at 16 years of age. I suppose in addition to that, the focus has really been on, uh, with the new department, on the opportunity that further education and training provides for all of our people, all learners, no matter where they are at, um, through the education and training boards. And historically, that's the work that uh, we've done in the ETBs. And we're really looking forward to, to the future and the, the, the opportunity that it presents for all of the learners and potential learners across and, uh, the uh, further education training sector who need our support and uh, it's a very exciting time at further education training and the, the new uh, ministry has really supported and helped that. So what kind of changes are you guys seeing happening on the ground? Well, I suppose the minister mentioned earlier about the capital fund and the uh, the funding that's made available to actually improve the facilities uh, in further education and training um, and also the additional uh, supports that are made available for learners. Um, historically, the reputation in terms of supporting students to actually reach their potential and uh, meet, the, meet whatever it is that they want to do and supporting them to do that. The additional fund that's been made available through uh, the Department of Further and Higher Ed has really helped with that and it's made a massive difference. Um, also the branding in terms of making sure that people know the opportunities that are there and how they can progress, be it to work, to an occupation that they've always wanted or on to higher ed so that they can uh, further develop their careers and their skills. How realistic do you think it is to change people's mindset and turn it into a situation where further education and training and proceeding to, say, third level university are seen on more of an equal playing field rather than it being kind of an alternative. I think it would be lovely to see it as a a first choice to go into further education and training. How realistic is that or how long might it take to change that mindset? Well, I think it it is a first choice in some places. So that's the first thing to note, that Mm -hmm. there are places in Ireland where going into post-leaving-cert course is a first choice for people and has been for a long time. Um, When I started as principal of a school back in the the 1990s, it was regular occurrence that people went into post-leaving-cert courses because that was the opportunity they had to either repeat the leaving-cert or to do something before they went on to university. And that diminished over time. It really depends on what the economic circumstances are, whether that becomes attractive or not. And those opportunities are still there in every town in Ireland, but they're, they're not well known. They're not as well known as they might have been. And the activity goes up and down. So the experience in Ireland is that you, if you talk to people in rural towns, you'll find that lots of people use the post-leaving cert route, for example, or go into further education and training courses and then find their way into higher education. I think one of the things that we'd like to see change is that people who have completed higher education, like yourselves, come back into further education when they want some sort of a skill that they haven't been able to acquire in the university. And that work with advancing people's skills, getting people to change the skills that they have so that they can get uh, into a job that they like, for example, that's the kind of work that's new to us in the sector and particularly in the last couple of years. So we, we now have in every ETB, we have employer engagement as a big focus. And that means going out to employers and working with them on their skills needs and then trying to work with employees who are working with them currently or with people who want to go into those jobs to try and define and give skills training to those people. That's a, there's a lot of work to be done in that area. It's not just about apprenticeship, although apprenticeships and the new apprenticeships are very important in that engagement with employers. But it's also about advanced skills training, um, changing people's mindset on what they're doing. An example that the minister gave earlier was on the, the retrofit of houses, for example, and bringing people back who have the trades done already, but just to get them to go back in and learn how to do retrofitting properly. 
one of the things that came up a couple of times with us is when we started on the pod was we didn't realise the opportunities that were available, that were out there. And I think a lot of people have no idea that there are these alternate pathways available. What can you do or what are you doing to help connect learners with further education and training? Some of the work we're doing is obviously with um, school leavers um, to make sure that they're aware of all of the opportunities that are available to them, but also the work during people's lives and career when they want to change or make a change, that that opportunity is available for them. So a part of the the work that we're doing with uh, the Education Training Boards Ireland and all of the ETBs in the country, and there are 16, is working on that really clear communication and branding strategy so that people are aware of the simple pathways that are available to them uh, and making that information available available to them in a really clear and easy way. And that's work that we're all doing to make sure that that does happen for people, whether you're at work or whatever stage you're at, um, that that information is available to you through your education and training board. And hopefully uh, this will be helping with that as well and all of your help and the help that we're getting from uh, everyone around the country to make sure that 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 opportunity um, is, is available to everybody. And finally, then, obviously, what we've been talking about these this past few minutes is what is working and what you want to continue work. But in terms of the future of further education and training and the work of the ETBs around Ireland, what would you like to see coming, say, in the next five years and 10 years? I think we'd like to see the capital investment continue because the minister mentioned about parity of esteem for learners and a lot of the capital buildings that we have around the country are not at the level that you'd like them to be. So an investment in the the fabric allows people to see the buildings as somewhere they'd like to go and somewhere attractive for them to spend their time in. Um, That doesn't change the quality. The quality of the service was always really, really high quality. But the buildings that we work in sometimes leave a lot to be desired. So I think that that change in attitude in government, which allows for the capital investment, makes sure that the, the learner that comes into those settings believes that they are valued as part of the community and that their learning is valued. Um, and it's not second rate. It's it's a very important um, challenge for them and it's going to bring them along the journey, the lifelong journey of learning. And we would hope that in every county and every location in Ireland that campuses of further education and training will be available um, through a network of different centres and colleges and hubs and supports provided with the learner at the centre of all that we do um, and providing that support to help them through those pathways and making the information and clarity available for everyone and that it would all be through those colleges um, in every county in Ireland. Maybe we'll do a college uh, tour, will we, Emer? That'd be nice. a great idea. You're more than welcome. <laughs> Paddy and Katrina, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you. I really liked what um, Paddy Lavelle there was saying about kind of the fabric of further education and training in terms of the buildings and the infrastructure that they hope to see put in there to really encourage people to attend those institutions. Yeah, it's lovely to hear about the investment that's happening. And I know when we were in Ballyfermot, they built a whole new media centre, um, which was really incredible state of the art. And in Carlow, my home county, can I add, they have a fabulous new college down there too. So it's really it's really nice to see the, the massive investment and the big buildings. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for listening to all of the stories that we've had on the series so far. I've definitely learned so much, been so inspired by people and I just hope that we continue to hear more amazing stories from around the country. Yes, there's lots more inspiring voices to be heard. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to co-host this series. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of OMG What a Complete Education. We hope you've learned something new today. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you want to learn more, head on over to etbi.ie to find a path into further education and training, or to find details on your local ETB to discover the wide variety of lifelong learning options available right on your doorstep.